Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So um, we've got a new exciting free beer offer on Footballistically Arsenal. As a loyal listener of the show, we can reward you with free beer thanks to our friends at beer52.com. You have the opportunity to sip eight free exclusive craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash Arsenal and cover just £4.95 for the postage. What's more, Footballistically Arsenal listeners get two extra free beers, so that's a total of 10 free beers. And just if you're wondering who Beer 52 are, they are pioneers. They go across the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries on the planet. And um, they have themes. They deliver cases with different themes, including Germany, Korea, Norway, South Africa, California, Finland, and many more. Um, and the beauty of Beer 52 is they don't hold you to ransom. There's no lock-in. You can leave any time, but your first box will be sent to you the next day. So just go to beer52.com forward slash Arsenal to get your first case of eight beers for free. And don't forget, um, footballistically, Arsenal customers get an extra two beers free. That's beer52.com forward slash Arsenal. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I'm Boyd Hilton. Um, it's just the two of us today. Me and the legend that is Alan Alger. It's like, I feel like with Josh away on his honeymoon, for fuck's sake. And he, by the way, he got married months ago, so I don't know why he's having his honeymoon now. <laughs> I thought it'd be good to have a, like a one-on-one, two-hander, like Dot and Ethel in EastEnders. Or have you seen The Lighthouse, which is this new film, absolutely brilliant film, which is basically just Robert Pattinson and um, old geezer, old actor... Uh, Willem Dafoe, and Willem Dafoe is like this kind of wizened old, bitter, twisted man who runs this lighthouse, and Robert Pattinson is his young, kind of, you know, beaten up, um, abused kind of assistant, and I feel like this is a bit of a lighthouse situation. Am I the the bitter and twisted one? (laughs) Yeah, I think so, although of course I am way older than you, I'm sure. In actual years, but yeah, I feel you're the bitter, twisted one, yeah, you're the Willem Dafoe. Well, it's good to be here. Anyway, thanks thanks for stepping in, that's all I can say. How are you, Alan? I'm very well, thanks, Boyd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all um, good. Now, instantly, I am thinking of your uh, Twitter feed over the weekend. Where um, so after the uh, after the Arsenal game, we, we were both there, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I was um, there. Yeah, you, uh, you 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 commented on on Mikel Arteta's um, thanks to the crowd. So Mikel Arteta on the um, Arsenal Twitter feed said they, as in us, the crowd, were right behind the team. They appreciated every action. They were pushing them, and so I'm thankful for them. I thank you to the fans. To which you responded, it was really quiet, lots of empty seats, loads of people arriving late, loads of people leaving early, one of your bugbears. What's he on about? There were also, bizarrely, a few boos at the end. Fans can be a lot better than that, Mikel. Now, all I say is... Yeah. We had this a little bit with the, with the crowd situation. You were really furious when we said the crowd, that the atmosphere was better for the... I think it was the cup game against Leeds. And I said, well, it's subjective. Now... I feel like on Saturday, of course, people always come too late in the early. That's just a, a thing, isn't it? I, think, I don't think it's even just Arsenal. I think it's every club in, 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 the, in the Premier League, probably. Yeah, I, I, I attend matches all over the place, yeah. and it does happen. It, yeah. it, it is infuriating. Yeah. I, thought, I felt like... So I feel like nothing's changed as far as that's concerned. And the booing really surprised me. Are you sure they weren't booing the referee decision and, 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 our, and our failure to get that penalty? Or do you think they're actually booing the team or the manager or whatever? I genuinely think that the, the ones on the final whistle... And look, it wasn't many, but it was definitely yeah. audible where I was that, that, that it seemed as if people were booing either the result or the performance. And I, I, 
I don't understand it. I really don't because it's Arteta's sixth game. Yeah. It's, you know, not even a day's worth of having, you know, actual match evidence about the players. And I just found that odd. And and I think it's something we always used to say about um, Arsene Wenger. Sometimes he would have to give a press conference answer that wasn't necessarily the truth, but it certainly yeah. kept him on the right side yeah. of what he was trying to achieve. So I totally get that. There's no way Mikel Arteta is going to risk no. after his six games saying it could have been a bit louder out there today. Yeah, right. And I totally get it. But it did, it did seem odd to me that the, the praise was there. But sometimes managers are backed into a corner. But I, I only tweeted that to make the point that fans can be a hell of a lot better, especially in a manager's sixth game. Don't you think the atmosphere is definitely better than it was during the late Emery period and even the Freddie period? Like, I feel like purely because I think people are giving are excited about what Arteta's done already. I know you think we've gone too far in the last couple of podcasts, but I think generally I feel like there is a more of an optimistic vibe about the place, which is hard to put your finger on. And it may be completely in my imagination, but I generally feel, and I do feel like there was, for example, there were like doing North Bank, North Bank, clock end chanting in the game a bit. You're looking like a mad, like I was with Dan Baldwin and his little kids, right? Yeah. His two boys. And I felt like they were like, oh, what's this song about? Like, there was definitely singing. There was quite a lot of singing, considering, like, even, even I mean, when we were 1-0 up for a long time, yeah. it, it just felt more buoyant, more happy, less kind of ed- on edge, despite the fact that actually we are only 1-0 up and never to be considered to go, as we have done pretty much every game, practically this season. Do you know what I mean? You don't see that there's a slight, that is that improvement in atmosphere? Um, I think there's an ever so slight improvement in atmosphere just because I think a lot... Look, when you get up in the morning and you're going to an Arsenal game, I mean, when, you know, ever since being a kid, that first thought in your mind when you wake up, you know that little thought of, yeah, I'm going to the Arsenal yeah. today and who we're playing, and, and it starts to just sort of almost download in your head as soon as you wake up. Mm. Now, it's obviously up to you how you then go and support. And obviously... You know, I've sat here and been critical of the way people turn up late or too interested in their phone or not watching the football correctly. But there are all kinds of people that are turning up at the stadium and they've paid their money to behave in the way they want to. But you could turn up and decide to be ultra positive about everything you see and you could decide to turn up and be ultra negative about everything you see. Or, like me, you could turn up and just say, right, I'm going to support the team today and just get on with what you're actually seeing. The call and response on the, the we're the North Bank, yeah. we're the clock in, to me, and I sit bang on the halfway line, luckily enough, in the upper tier, was there, but it was pretty quiet. And my initial well, I don't point, think we had any of that in, in, in the late Emirates. Yeah, I know that was a it, bad period. Give it a bit of a go. I, 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 the weirdest thing for me is that that, that singing section, or what, what they designate as the singing section at that uh, left corner of the, uh, between the North Bank and the tunnel, to me, have been quite quiet in in mm. uh, in in the uh, Arteta games, and obviously certainly the the Emery games. So, to me, that's where I would focus. Well, is the, is the is their atmosphere coming from that corner? Because they're almost the leaders of yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the atmosphere. My only other point about the 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 Leeds game that we were talking about, um, or sorry, I was tweeting about after hearing you guys on the pod. I just thought it was. Um, I know I know that Leith is heavily behind Arteta but he chose a really strange vehicle to to, to do that because 8,000 Leeds fans turned up that night. The, the last train back to, to Leeds was at 11 o'clock that night. They sold 8,000 tickets. Yeah, there were a few empty ones because oh, they yeah. were on the salary tour. I think it was a fantastic effort. I think, it was, what a, they I think is, he was mildly joking about, you know, because yeah. Yeah, no, he, he would never deny there was, but they it was brought, an astonishing turnout. Yeah, yeah and, and what tends to happen, and I used to sit in the old the old clock in. And it used to be great being next to the away fans because, again, they could lead the charge in. Right, if they're very loud, you want to almost say, you're not coming here to be louder than us. And, you know, sometimes it would be a great response across that divide of the, the two fans. And I thought, I thought the Leeds fans heightened the atmosphere to an extent where the Arsenal fans sort of suddenly woke up on about 20 minutes ago, hold on a minute, we should really be singing and getting behind our team here. And that, oh, yeah. and that to me, was what, 
what actually encouraged that atmosphere. I don't think it was, oh, it's a Mikel Arteta game. Um, and obviously everything else is performance-based. Yeah, so let's talk about performance then. So you think, I mean, in general, it's sixth game, as you said, sixth game in charge. Um, I mean, a lot of draws, you know, but I think the general feeling I think we've reflected in, on this podcast, the general feeling of positivity, which is that what we see on the pitch is someone who knows already roughly the kind of style we want to play, sticking to one formation. Now, we talk about that later, whether or not, you know, that, that formation, you know, maybe he should adapt it a bit. Maybe it's getting already, I don't know, maybe, you know, there's something to think about there. But he at least seems to be very firm and positive. There's a structure to the team. I think defensively, we look much tighter. I, we, I, it doesn't scare me every time the opposition gets the ball, you know, and they launch a ball and we've got like our, our players running back, like hysterical school kids trying to cope. Um, he seems to have done the Torreira thing, which seems to have been the most common sense, stupid thing that Emery did, defying all common sense, you know, playing where he did and not just playing him in his best defensive position. He seems to be, he seems to have calmed everyone. Everyone's got, you know, slightly more, you know, just there's a structure, there's a calmness, there's a, there's a slightly more authority. So we, we, we're, we're getting more percentage um, of the ball in games. We're controlling games more. Just in all those, in all these areas... I feel like, and I think he's had really bad luck. And I'm saying this with a straight face. I think, you know, if you compare him, compare him to like the famous Emery unbeaten run where everyone was saying, well, actually, we've been really lucky to go that far. I feel like this, the opposite's happened. And, and we've been a bit unlucky with, you know, deflected goals, with VAR going against us a lot. And I don't, I'm not one of those paranoid fans who thinks everything's against us and there's, there's a conspiracy. I just think it's luck. I think we've had, he's had a bad run of luck. But I think the performances, by and large, have been absolutely notably better. I think, I think the whole team feels just stronger, more powerful, trying harder. And so what more could you want? Do you think... Do you th- so my, my, after that spiel, my big question to you is, what could he have done better, really, in those six games so far that you feel um, he hasn't done? I... I'd actually run along with a few of your positives. Mm. And, and one of the big things is that he has obviously decided that the way Unai Emery defended at certain points of matches was out of whack with the game state and what we had available to us as a team. And he's obviously tried to rip that up and say, right, let's defend first but we won't be a defensive team, Mm. but we will defend well first. And mitigating circumstances around that is that horrendous injuries mean he hasn't been able to put out what I would consider first choice, possibly even second choice in some of those positions. So he's been hamstrung by that. Mm. So he's had to work with what he's actually got. And he's had to put players in those positions, say, you have to be... You know, Saka, for for instance, you have to be the best left-back you can be today. And this is how I want a left-back to play. And it's slightly different from saying, you are a left-back, so go and play as a left-back. Absolutely. Yeah. And at a point in the, um, in the Sheffield United game at the weekend, he obviously realised that he'd rather go to five at the back. And his only option to go five at the back was to put Xhaka mm. out towards that left centre-back position. Mm. I think that was mainly because Sheffield United weren't committing forward at all. And if we were going to get our full-backs to go up their wings it made sense to draw Xhaka back. But let's not forget that that change would have been classed as genius had we won one nil, but actually led to the goal. Because Saka had to go go into the position that Xhaka had vacated by being a bit further back. Mm. He gets dribbled around. He's out of position on his side. The ball comes across on that side, then goes over. Maitland-Niles turns his back. And Sheffield United score. Mm. Now, to me, that is exactly the same thing that could have happened in that situation under Emery, regardless of the personnel out there. So it, it's good to see that he has a but plan. But that would have that happened under Emery on a constant basis, though, didn't it? Like that happened, but not just. But what will be a constant basis? Because we dis- we conceded a very similar goal at Crystal Palace after a pretty brainless decision by our forward to go for a tackle that he was never going to win. So look, those play... And I'm trying, I'm trying to swing it back to positives here, or at least mm. circumstances that Arteta could point to, to say, he, like you said, he has been a little bit unlucky. And we have players that do make silly decisions. 
I'll, I'll give you a, an example from the, from the weekend. Against Sheffield United, we were 1-0 up and suddenly rushing to do things. Rushing to take throws. Rushing to take goal kicks. We were 1-0 up in the game. We were the ones mm. leading. Mm. And it's as if the mindset hadn't switched from this is an underdog that have come to us. They're a northern gritty team. Their goalkeeper's going to take a minute over his goal kicks. Mm. Every time someone picks it up to take a throw, they're going to pretend to take the throw and decide that a guy 20 yards behind them is the one they want to take the throw. And how many times did they do that? They kept doing that even in front of the fourth official. and in front. Of... Mm. So our mindset then should have been, yes, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Go one nil up. They start rushing. We, we, we were rushing too. And I think he has inherited, mm. and, 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 you know, there'll be people out there now going, oh, my God. But he has inherited a mentality that is a hangover from the Arsene Wenger days of not going to those key marginal gains. And that's, why would you rush when you're one up in a game? Why are you yeah. slowing it down when you're behind? Because what happened at the end of the game, after Sheffield United actually equalised... We slowed the play down. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Mm. We only got to a slow pace of game when, when he slowed it down. And hence, the, the, the and, and I don't like it. And I don't like the fact that, yes, Leno will be passing one side to the other, one side to the other, and you've got people behind him screaming and shouting. That's going to do nothing for him being able to collect the ball and then make a decent pass. But it is true. I mean, I don't, I don't want the fans to be the ones saying it because there's, no, there's not going to be a great relationship between the fans and the players if we're screaming at them to get the ball forward. And that might not always be the best decision. No, no. But I, I, that, that's, but I think that isn't, to me, is yeah. everything... Isn't, that, isn't the context of that... I mean, I agree with you totally about the, um, about the going back to, to Arsenal. Very obviously, I agree with that. But I think that deep-rooted kind of um, fear, I think there's a deep-rooted fear baked into this team which is that they don't know they know they've got a shit defense they know they they don't trust particularly i know i think i think mustafi had one of his absolutely one of his best games up to 80 minutes yeah. he was our man of the right. match suddenly no, i agree with that i agree with that lost but his way. he still lost his way especially he after the goal does. you see right. one after yeah, the goal oh, absolutely God. always does right now yeah. what, I'm gonna, what i'm saying about that is the players aren't stupid they know they know that he's there this Second choice, third, you know, out, 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 the kind of the player we know no one has faith in to go 90 minutes without losing it, without losing yeah. concentration, making a terrible error. And I just think, and he's just one example. I think they think that everyone's capable of fucking yeah. up. Xhaka as well, you know, all these players. And I just feel, so I think the, the, um, the haste with which they played, even one up, the more it went on before they eventually did equalise, the more stressful everyone is that we need another goal to be feel in any way safe in the situation because yeah. we've seen it time and time again. And of yeah. course it did happen. Inevitably, they did fucking score and it was excruciating. And I think there is a real like awareness that, oh my God, just one up is nowhere near good enough this and we cannot possibly defend a 1-0 lead. And I yeah. just think that's like that mentality. So... I think, and I think for him, for them, what can he do about that? You know, short of, I mean, I think he's done a huge amount in making them feel more positive and more and, and less fearful. Generally, in the pl- way we play, yeah. we're much more positive. I think they, they play much, many more, you know, kind of potent passes. You know, in, you know, more bolder passing. The passing is bolder. The runs, you know, from lots of players are, are improved, and all of that. They, they actually, you know, they do that thing where they keep hold of the one and they pass it as soon as the opposition come come too close. All of that, but still, they know how weak. <laughs> we are at defending a one nil. Absolutely. Um, and another thing, and just going back to the post leads podcast, and another thing that struck me, mm. and, and you've almost just said it. Go on. I don't know why you guys on that pod set yourself up for the reality check, knowing everything you've just said to me now about all those players. Because I think we were talking about, I think for me, he's done enough already in these six games, despite the results, despite everything I'm saying about the players and their issues. He himself, as a leader and as a coach and as a manager, he's done everything we can expect from him. And and I feel like I wasn't, I wasn't, by the way, you know, at all, hundred percent in favour of appointing him. You know, mm. I would have much rather have had a more a, a really experienced yeah. manager. 
But I feel like he's done a brilliant job already. And so I, I, I feel like, unlike, for example, the Manchester United situation, where there's yeah. still, you know, that debate yesterday, if you watched Sky, the debate with Jamie Carragher and um, Roy Keane about um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was so interesting. And basically, like, Jamie Carragher's going, well, how long do you know? He clearly hasn't proven he, he, he is up to this job. Whereas I feel Arteta's already proven he is up to this job. I yeah. think it's completely different. Okay. And, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying is, this means we're going to finish, you know, we're going to, finish any higher than eighth or something this season but I'm saying if they stick with him and they back him then it's going to be pretty good quite possibly but we definitely don't know that and I just thought it was a very strange um and and I love Laith I think uh, if I'm proud to have him at the club as a journalist because yeah he not only is a great guy you know, you follow someone on Twitter and it could be a journo from any of the big tabloids or anything like that. He is our man yeah. in that press conference. Yeah. And I love him to bits. Yeah. But I've never listened to him speak before where I just was like, oh, I disagree with everything you say. I was sort of worried for myself because I always agree with him. And then he went so all in Arteta. It made me start thinking of the things he might be wrong about or just going overboard on. And it just seemed like it was a position being taken for no other reason than... I am trying to get behind this guy, which we all should be, by the way. But this is a podcast where we give our opinions, and Mikel Arteta is never going to listen to this. The players are never going to listen to this. So I just wondered why it was such all-in stuff. Let me ask you because I think of what he's done. Boy, let me ask you a question. Arteta's not available. Man City say you can't have him. Yeah. Freddie Lundberg stays as manager. Yeah. And the same results and performances occur mm. in the last six games that we've just had, mm. would you be sitting here now saying, I want Freddie to remain as manager? Um, if the performances have been exactly the same, I'd th- certainly th- be thinking about it. But I think that's an interesting question because I think even in his very, very... How many games is he in charge of? Two, three? Three. three. We, we, that, I know it's... We, we, you know, I can't, we can't judge him on that, but I feel like the improvement that Arteta's made over those games under him is absolutely clear and obvious. So, um, if he'd have done this kind of job, yeah, for me, he's doing. Every, I, I can't emphasise enough he, every single thing from the team selection. Now, I know it's like the team selection that Freddie picked for. I think his last game when he went yeah. with the kids. For me, it was like I admire the principle of it, but it was ridiculous because they're just not your best players. Everton away, yeah, yeah. He, he just did not pick the best players. And I think Arteta's now. It's like it feels like a fan, a really brilliantly intelligent, eloquent fan of Arsenal who knows these players already is picking the team. And for me, that alone, like you talked about the, uh, that feeling you get when you wake up on, a Saturday, on Saturday. When I saw the team sheet, same, every team sheet he's picked so far, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. He's just picking them. And already I feel like, for example, we should talk about the Urzels and the, you, you can talk about Pepe and... Well, individual, individual players. Individual players. Second but, half of the podcast. Yeah, all right. Yeah, <laughs> sure. But bearing in mind, various individual players are already not, already kind of dipping from where there were three week, three yeah. games ago. I still think it's not his fault. I still yeah. think his decision making is pretty fucking 90% there and I think that's and that wasn't there with Freddie so I, I think you're right and that's insane. what I think we're late th- you know I know what yeah. you're saying I think we're all reflecting that I think and I think that's a general every Arsenal fan I speak to literally apart from you and you know one or two other you know more crazy people than you on Twitter and all of that but my friends are Arsenal fans and you know people at work yeah. and all that they're like yeah it's, it's really exciting there's, a, there's I, an absolute even though the results are not yet matching I, th- I think I should clarify the, the, the Chelsea game and, and all the games I've seen under Arteta. I've, uh, I've approached them all positively. Sure. I have been excited by parts of those games. The, the one that I actually missed and had to catch up on because I was working was the, the Manchester United game, which obviously is his best that was game. Best performance, yeah. Um, Pepe's best performance. And, you missed it. Uh, well, no, I watched it back and I obviously acknowledged what he, <laughs> did, what he did well. 100% in that, What he did well in that game. But I can't see why you would go all in behind all of these obvious moves that he's made off the back of the fact that you could also say outplayed by a Leeds United championship team 45 minutes albeit a very good one yeah to the point of struggling and yet completely changed it around the second half but completely I mean, we it's were as dominant as they... It's not, is it? We were well, not, because we... We won 1-0. We... we snuck the game 1-0. Yeah, but we were as dominant in terms of shots and all of that and possession and everything as they won the first half. They dropped off massively and knew, obviously, sure, but... that once we scored one, yeah, but... the championship is a much more important thing I for I acknowledge that with the first half was terrible, but I think you have to acknowledge the second half was really good. And we did exactly what we needed well, to I like, do. I, I think... 
always think the best way to look at these things and when we're judging players and things like that, and, and again, not in the stadium where I'm 100% behind, but when we're doing things like this where people want to hear opinions, yeah. is that I try and look at every game from about the best, most positive you could be to the, to the, to the most negative you could be because you will strike a, a balance in the middle. And, and that podcast for me didn't, and I was just trying to do all the bits that you didn't do. <laughs> And, but we and, did say how good they were. We did, honestly. But you, I, you, I, think I you can't were see how you thought that playing against, albeit a very well-organised, well-drilled championship team that had other things on their mind, to slowly turn that second half around to sneak a 1-0, if it had been achieved under Emery or, or if Lundberg had stayed in position, I don't think we'd have been grandising about the game. We'd have been like, oh, well, we changed it and we got the result. We were expected to. We were... Uh, heavy favourites to win the game and let's move on and and to focus on that 45 minutes and ignore the first 45 we did not ignore it that's so um, unfair we didn't honestly at the we end at the end listen. you said are we going too far that's all yeah, you because, did because to we, redress the balance no, no, so no. I just tried to redress no, the balance no, 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 no. We but were very, Bournemouth we were being positive about Arteta generally but we absolutely acknowledged how great they were in the first half and I think it was complacency on the part of our players to, in the first half I think they were shocked and stunned. and Arteta said it himself in his post-match interview by the way which was extremely honest he was like I told them what was going to well, I, love I told that. them, yeah, that, and you know, you say that's different from previous matches. I love that because yeah. he didn't approach it like, well, this is a championship team. No, they're in the top two in the championship. I know what to expect. He knew the way that Leeds played, right, and that was a big thing. Yeah, and he for was, me, and, and, and he told the players absolutely. not to be complacent. Hundred percent, and, and yes. They did let him down and he in that snapped first them into 45. it for the second half. That, he did, that honestly. That wasn't a snapping into it, Boyd. It was just he a did. slight change of play. They but stopped pressing. We, uh, for the, you the, right. the Palace okay. first 20 minutes, that everyone says we were f- amazing No, no, for. no. We did not say, We said that how good they was, were in that first 20 minutes. We did say that in this very Yeah, but I think your confirmation bias is such that you, you, you're constantly trying to find balance, which is great. I'm not constantly trying to find balance. I absolutely admit it. I'm trying, I, I, but it's, but I think that it, fandom of a fandom is, you know, you're supporting the team and you are accentuating the positives. But I think we're not so stupid enough that we're not giving credit when credit's due to that Palace first 20 mm. minutes to the Leeds first half. And equally, but I think you have to get rid of the confirmation bias we acknowledge to then sort that out is a really good thing. And yeah. I don't think, by the way, Emery re- often did. He changed things all the time this season. Last season was, was more, he, he often changed things and he would improve mm. the situation. He would correct his own terrible selections yeah. often. This season, that was different, wasn't it? This season, he often this fucked season, it up. This season, it very looked rarely. to me like he would get 15 minutes into a game take away all of our positive elements <laughs> yeah. and then play to enhance right. the strengths right. of our opposition. Right. Almost within the first yeah. so a lot of what And I'm he saying, had to go. Right. So a lot of, I think what the fans think is a reaction to that well, period. It feels like such a turnaround. So it started at such a low yeah. that Arteta yeah. can only be yeah. good for it. Absolutely. But, and, but also clear improvement from the, even the, me, the, the brief Freddie period as well. I think that is absolutely key. Um, I'm more sort of jury out on that. I think he just took, took them... I, th- I think okay. they almost just sleepwalked through okay. those games. Well, to, um, well, the Bournemouth game... Yeah. <laughs> I think if you look at Bournemouth's results around that fixture, everyone was saying, look, you know, it was better. We didn't concede as many shots and we, we nearly won the game. When you put that in context with Bournemouth's form, which, you know, some Arsenal fans are very blinkered to only our results and don't really realise that... You know, does yeah. anyone I mean, realise, talking... looking at that, that Bournemouth were in terrible shape? Sure. Eight players out, no one to score goals. And at the end of that, to say that that was a good performance and how wonderful we could step up, even though it was his first game, I was thinking, well, no, actually, I mean, in your first game, you're meant to have a lift anyway, because all the players should be playing for you. And you've played a team absolutely down on their luck, down on injuries, down on form. We can't be then going away saying how brilliant. But we're not going to say how bad, but we're not going to say how think, brilliant. I don't Surely. think we said brilliant, but I think, you know, you have to acknowledge as well, a team that is in really bad form that's down there, that's struggling, off, will rouse themselves as well against a big team when they really, they really have, have to. they have the players too. I watched them at West Ham. Some of those their skin, didn't I they? watched them at West Ham a few days later. They got pumped 4-0. They hardly touched the ball with almost the similar, well, almost the same 11. And West Ham were in poor form at the time. And, and it made me think, goodness me, how did we not beat this team? Oh, I, you know, we should have beaten them. Anyway, we we'll, talk, them. we'll talk more particularly about the game on Saturday after this break.
Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast brought to you by me, Mark and my co-host Bethan. Each week we take a deep dive into the dark world of true crime. Cases have ranged from the murder of Christina Abbott, a high-class escort who was killed by a sadistic client, to the Peru 2, a pair of young women convicted of smuggling drugs in South America. Whilst always respectful to the victims of these crimes, we do like to tell each story in our own unique style, with humour and lots of f***ing swearing. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast, wherever you get yours. And I know there were flaws to our performance on Saturday. They started really well. First 10, 15 minutes, they dominated, didn't they? Then I think, you know, we kind of took over to some extent, scored yeah. our goal, failed, to, failed to, um, to, to improve on that, failed to kind of reflect our superiority, yeah. and then inevitably let in. But we still had, should have had that penalty before they equalised. I think those okay. things, again, so, that reflects on the bad luck. That, that is terrible If luck, I went I back to June and said to you, right, okay... Um, it's going to be January. Four points have cost us because we couldn't get ahead sufficiently of Sheffield United at home. And what was the other one? Was it Crystal Palace? The, yeah. the, the other one. Yeah. Uh, where Who we drew had a to bad, all at City. A bad decision. Yeah, Pal- yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, look, yeah. they're one of the best away underdogs in, in yeah. the Premier League. They, uh, they always come up with big results. Yeah. But look, if you're back in June, you say, look, look, we're going to get four points cost off our deficit, uh, four mm. points deficit of decisions that didn't go our way at home against those two teams that we should be beating because we're only at a one-goal margin in those games. And you think, well, you know, that obviously suggests that we're not playing as well sure. to absorb those but bad you, decisions. But you of all people know that Sheffield United have become a really incredibly potent uh, team. I did loads of previews at the start of the season. Uh, um, I was lucky enough to, to work with Chris Wilder when I worked in non-league. And he always struck me as like, when, in non-league, when he was managing Oxford, I'd go to their games and uh, we'd do the, do the live TV games there. And they'd take a free kick where you'd see like seven players run off in one direction, four come back the other way, three go that way. And then suddenly the ball's in the net and you think, how much time did you spend on the training ground to have yeah. uh, those yeah. players standing there, especially non-league players yeah. that completely bamboozled them? <laughs> say that word. Bamboozled. Um, if you go on to if you go onto Twitter, you can you can search a thread of Sheffield United free kicks when they're in the lower divisions under Chris Wilder, and some of them are actually pure poetry. Mm. There's a, there's one at Luton where the whole Luton defence is just standing there going. Don't know where the ball's gone. It's in the back of the net because of how well he's worked it. He is a manager that will drill his side to the absolute degree of where do you stand on that? uh, Where do you stand on that corner? Where do you stand on that throw? All the resets, everything. So it isn't as bad a result as the stark reality of well, there's a promoted team. We're Arsenal. Yeah, we should be beating them at home. No, exactly. So exactly, you, you, I know you, Jeff boiled it down to that at the start of this, uh, uh, when he's was saying think, we used to smash these things. Those teams aren't coming that no, disorganised anymore. Exactly. We used to have a fear factor that made them set up in a different way anyway. So so Wenger benefited from. I I always used to think that sides didn't scout us properly because even in the later years of Wenger, because of the way that the media portrayed us and all the commentators portrayed us, I'm assuming that everyone thought that they were coming to play an invincible type Arsenal yeah. that hadn't existed for four or five years. <laughs> so they set up in such a way that actually played to our, yeah, our strengths. Yeah. And we yeah. benefited from that a lot. Yeah. I always just think, you haven't scouted us properly because our yeah. left back, uh, you know, Abui hasn't been playing, <laughs> or uh, right back Abui hasn't been playing that well for them. Why, don't you, why are you not getting at him? No, but they did. weren't because they hadn't scouted us. But even more than that, though, I think generally this season, I think all of, the, all of these teams, you know, um, that are, half of them are above us, all yeah. of those teams that are doing better than you thought yeah. from, you know, Wolves and Sheffield United and Crystal Palace, all these teams are just much better, aren't they? I mean, they're all capable, you know, Palace 2 all at Man City on Saturday, yeah. from, from one, being one up for ages and ages and ages. Mm. I watched that game and I was like, this is, Man City reminded me so much of Arsenal in that game, just, you know, against this team that were much better than they thought they were going to be and, and they just failed, yeah. failed to convert their superiority and chances. Yeah. And I think, actually, the performance against Sheffield United was perfectly decent. It was perfectly decent in, in the circumstances. And again, they had a great first 10, 15 minutes, but we then did sort it out. We did overpower them. We did have lots of, quite a few chances against them. And we, more importantly, 
And I know they, they still have, would have had loads of chances against us earlier in the season, in that version of us, yeah. um, under the previous manager. And they, they didn't have hardly any chances. Well, that, that, was... the, the, that is one plus that is undeniable. Yeah. And that I think is it's a big plus. We aren't, oh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a huge plus. We are not serving up 12 to 15 <laughs> chances per game right. to mediocre opposition. Yeah. And I know I've just said how good Sheffield United are, but in reality, as in the table, they'll finish about mid-table, won't they? So in a normal mid-table opposition, playing at home against them, hopefully we uh, eventually uh, rise above them in the table and they, they, they have a little bit of a reality yet. But you, w- you would not be serving up 12 to 15 chances as an Emery team was. Yeah. So he's already, he's already stopped that and with a makeshift defence. So that is my biggest Arteta positive. Mm, absolutely. But he has sacrificed a little bit of our attacking play because well, th- okay. the creation at the other end has gone down. Has it and gone not, down massively? Not massively. It's a small amount. But look, and this, is the, this, is the, this is the payoff he's, right, he's, but he's, he's, he's faced, come up with. I mean, he faced like Sophie's choice, didn't yeah. he? I mean, he's, like, he's got the worst, the most fucking accident-prone defence, which has been absolutely insane for years mm. and years and years. Right, and he's got that to deal with, and a bunch of absolute, you know, idiots, basically, as far as like in, in defence. He's got a midfield that can't score at all. I mean, he, mm. and, and have been play- one of the, the best midfield players, Terre, have been playing out of position for the entire season mm-hmm. and is fucking depressed yeah. about it and miserable. Jaco's had his issues, you know, but we don't have to go there. Yeah. And he's got this attack line that is our best, but he's got to work out how to knit them all together because they haven't been playing together. Potentially, at, at so, their best, you're looking at players that are just off world class. Right. So what I'm saying is, he had the choice of what do I do? Do I, you know, can I re... I can't necessarily... That attack has not been functioning as well as it should be, considering, as you say, they're on the borderline world class. The defence is absolutely diabolical. I'm never getting any goals. So I feel like, pragmatically, he did, has sorted out the defensive element. And I, for a very yeah, I mean, slight... it's, it's George Graham-esque in the yeah, sense that... and I think that's... I feel like... He ab- spent a season doing that. Yeah, and I feel that's absolutely the right thing to do. Oh, 100%. Because it's now less stressful. I feel like, again, to go back to... All the way back to the atmosphere thing, I just think yeah. everyone's less stressed out by watching it. Yes, because, well... Because you don't feel... We're going to concede loads and loads of chances every not, five seconds. Do you not feel that apart from the games against the sides we really want to beat, like United, Chelsea, mm. and obviously Tottenham's yeah. coming up, and, uh, and, and definitely Liverpool to, to, to stop this uh, second Invincibles. Yeah. But do you not feel that outside of that it's pretty much consequence-free football? Oh, sure. And but it's the ideal time to say, we're, we're not going to get sensible, top four No, 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 I agree on, with that. I think uh, for sensible, sensible fans so, it's yeah. consequence-free, but I think in reality... So who's booing at the end? <laughs> right, well, there's always going to be morons, I feel, in yeah. this day and age. Absolutely. Who, who are so impatient about everything yeah. that they won't, that it's actually not consequence-free. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I think if we, he actually did loot, lost a couple of games, then I think everyone's going to start to get antsy and, you know... I feel like I'm, I'm, abs- I've, I'm I have no... I'm, I trust him totally. And if we carry on 10th as we are now, the rest of the season, I'm, I'm not going to complain yeah, too much Yeah, don't get me that. wrong, Boyd. I, come, I came out of that stadium completely calm with what yeah. I'd seen and the result. Yeah, right. But um, as I said before, I think my previous comments about that initial pod where sure. everyone's... It, I, th- I think it still should have been a bit yeah. calmer as Can well. Let me ask you about Ozil, because I yeah, feel... yeah. That he was absolutely useless on Saturday. And I thought, I don't know whether I'm being too harsh. I just feel that was a game where he gave the ball away a few times at key moments. I felt a couple of attacks broke down kind of because of him. Yeah. I felt like he was timid. There were a couple of times where he could, he could have just shot. He doesn't shoot anymore. Yeah. I mean, he's never been a great goal scorer, but I think his stats this season are woeful. I think he scored one goal, I think, this season. I think um, it's none and one assist, isn't it? Maybe one, maybe no goals and one assist. Right, you're right. Yeah. I mean, and I feel like he instantly improved in the first couple of games under under Arteta. In terms of, you know, he definitely ran yeah. around a lot, and we definitely found him, gave him the ball a lot more. Yeah. And he kind of, but now I feel like it's reverted back, and I feel like now he's actually a bit of a problem more for me because I know you have issues with Pepe and Lacazette. And I thought he's more of a problem in our attack yeah. because he's the one supposed to be the creative one. I don't think he's doing much. Yeah. I, I always feel I have to have this caveat of I want all Arsenal players to do well uh, because, um, and I try and try and give a balanced view on them. And I think over time, how long has he been with us? You know, five five years maybe. Over time, I, ha- I have been on here where I've said, look, he could do this a hell of a lot better, or wasn't that fantastic? And I, I do feel I've been balanced with him. Um, so l- let's be balanced about Saturday as well, and say that within fifteen minutes. 
his main outlet for winning the ball and turning around and having his back to goal was actually then put at left centre back and then we went five at the back. So it changed to yeah. having to yeah. uh, see if Saka could get forward as far as possible and uh, make the Narvski yeah. get forward as far as possible. So that, that was his outlet. His outlet changed from someone he could ping passes off in the middle to actually getting out wide. And obviously that was a conscious change that Arteta made. Mm. Um, he didn't do that well enough. He kept overhitting the ball. Maybe yeah. they weren't getting in the positions for far enough forward because they still probably had in mind, are we playing in a four or a five? Mm. So they're all the excuses I'll give him. But when he was on the ball, he just didn't do it. Mm. He didn't do it and he had a poor game. Yeah, it was quite depressing, isn't it? Um, as for, um, how do you feel any more, are you giving any more benefit of the doubt to Pepe? My, so my thing about Pepe is, um, I mean, we, we, we've argued about it yeah. on Twitter and everywhere, but um, my argument with him is he's shown enough in the Man UK, which you missed, his stats in that game are, um, are brilliant. I watched it back, Boyd, and I agree with you. Right. So to a point. For me, to okay, a point. To a point. Okay, but for me, that is... So he's shown he has the skill and the technique already. I'm not saying he's consistent enough. I'm, not, mm. I'm saying, like everyone really in the team, you know, normally most of the players, you know, they, have, they, they do stupid things every now and then, and that's just kind of part and parcel of, of, of this season. Mm. But I think he's one of our brightest players. I think mean, he was one of the brightest players, actually, on Saturday. I thought he had a pretty good game. Mm. Much brighter than Lacazette, who mm. I had, I had, had a... Pretty poor game. I actually think he's been playing all right recently, apart from the not scoring factor. Um, with Pepe, uh, I, th- I think my balance view is when I see him, <laughs> I think to myself, at least he is trying something different. Mm. We have looked like a really ponderous attacking team, despite all the talent that's around. And then my moments from this season where I've been watching us play and got excited have often been his moments yeah, in play. Right. The run down the wing yeah. at uh, Anfield. I, you know, the, the things that stick in your head yeah. have often been yeah. his things. Which is what we've bought him for. That dribbling. Exactly. And that, right. That's, and, and I, I that's think, what his job is. I think maybe this back and forth that we've been having on Twitter yeah. has actually lost my initial point, which was in one of the first podcasts of this season, I think he'd had three or four games. And I just said... Mm. Yeah, exciting player, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I've just got a little issue with his technique when he's leaning back, sometimes when he should be maybe getting his head over the ball, and when he's got a final pass to make, and he tends to scuff rather than side foot, and I don't know whether or not that's just a bit of nerves. So I gave him that benefit of doubt to that point, then every game since, there's been an element of that. As well as all the good bits I mentioned, there's been an element of that. And at the weekend, and again, I think people listen to me here and think, oh, he must be a right miserable shit inside the stadium. That's exactly what they think. hate to sit next to him. Yeah. When he gets the ball, I'm like, come on, come on. You know, yeah. I, sure. look, don't get me wrong. I'm fully behind it. And a lot of the time, he's one that has got me up, yeah. up off my seat. But, and at the weekend, he did play like that yeah. as well. But he still did the stuff that I, I mentioned know, at the start. He's capable of doing that, but he doesn't always do that. Like, he's still capable of a really incisive pass, isn't he? I mean, he created a couple of really good chances. He, of he chances he his created cross at the with start, his passes. His cross at the start was fantastic. Yeah. His corners... Amazing. Are unorthodox. You get, I know, you're obsessed with very them. dangerous. They're great. They're, you keep saying they unorthodox. I think you calling them unorthodox is like almost like d- damning them, but they're just really good. No, they're no, really no, potent I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not damning them with faint praise at all. I don't, I've never really seen someone that can launch a corner and it goes to about six foot <laughs> as it leaves his foot. Yeah. And it stays at six foot all the way <laughs> it's across. It's incredible, yeah. Have you and, seen what he does though? He does this little routine. if you get someone that gets yeah. inside the defender of the post. Yeah. And, and it's a great corner. I think it, we've got I'm a just dead, saying it's unusual it, oh, there to be able to take that you, kind He of does corner. a little trot, doesn't he? Have yeah. you seen him? He stands there. He does a little mm. trot on the spot, yeah. and then he launches it. I think yeah. he's brilliant. I think he, we've got a dead ball specialist. I was furious that, that he didn't take that free kick. Lacazette took it, uh, and that was uh, my son. My son said that, and I said that. And again, look, this is me. I'm behind him. Right. I'll, I'll, okay. I want you to be saying to me every game, <laughs> "Look what he did! Look what he did!" Because yeah. I really want him to. But yeah. hey, look. Reservations on technique are going to okay. crop up, I think, with him. I just think, it's, nit- I think it's nitpicking. <laughs> All right, Lacazette had a. I mean, had I, a... I, 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 you know, 
our good friend Chaz, he, he sent me a message. And again, I'm not being Chaz Nuki Burden. Chaz Nuki yeah. Burden. I'm not being big headed with this, but he said, he said to me, Well, you sort of launched this thing about Lacazette when no one was thinking it. And now everyone's watched it closely this season. And I'm, by the way, I mean us, as in people yeah. we know. I don't yeah. mean like the whole Arsenal fan base. No. People who listen to this, hopefully. And I said something, and I just said, I just wonder about his numbers. They're just dropping off. I just wonder about his fitness. I wonder about his speed. I love the fact that he can. He's he's got a great snapshot on him, and it's like like a hockey ice yeah. hockey shot. Like yeah. if he turns and hits a ball, yeah. you know it stays hit. And if it's yeah, on target, it's going to speciality. Yeah. yeah. But I just wondered. I mean, and that, that wondering has definitely gone on. Surely, anyone even disagree well, with me? Of course, the lack of Giroud thing was was no. obviously devil's advocate with with. Gareth Parker being here, knowing just, how much he loves. I'd honestly, I mean, the lack of thing, I just would much rather watch him any day. He just gives me more pleasure than Giroud ever did. That's just, yeah. a, you know, I just like the way he plays. And I still think, I mean, he had a poor game on Saturday, but I think that was his first actual poor game, all-round yeah. play, for, for a while. I still think in the previous game, he was man of the match, I think, or the, or the one before, you know, in terms of decided by... Palace the, uh, yeah. away. Um, it might have been the Leeds game, actually. I think Leeds it was the Cup game. game. It was the Cup game. He was out. He was deemed man of the match. But I'm not saying, you know, these, these pundits are always right. But what I'm saying is, is that he's still passing, he's passing and he's knitting together the attack. Yeah. Still is really good. I thought that was down on Saturday. And I think, like, well, I think I, there could I be various stat, reasons and I'm for not that. Quite, I, think that. I think it was 13 incisive touches of the right. ball right. Uh, in 90 I mean, it's not terrible. Uh, where it wasn't 90 minutes because he got taken off. Yeah, he got taken he? off, yeah. Um, I still, I put it this way. I, I you know, he's got, every, all strikers go through bad patches. Giroud went through a terrible one. And that's what it is for me. I still think he's all around play. I'd much rather have him and Aubameyang and Pepe and Martinelli maybe. But um, I think, you know, all playing yeah. than, than mug him off or whatever just because he's not scoring. He's clearly having a terrible yeah. season for, for scoring. The weird, and, you know, that's, that's, he can't be denied. But he's still, I think, a really good, great, Borderline great player, as you borderline world class. The weirdest player. thing for me, and again, I, I, I like sometimes say some, some people just sort of almost watch the stats from a match that that's going on in front of them. And yeah. for me, up to, up to the point that he actually uh, put the tuck the goal in at the far post, Martinelli had a pretty poor game up to that point. Yeah, and, I know what you mean. And yeah. yeah. So you were looking for someone else because it was almost like. Well, we know Martinelli. He's scored these fantastic goals this season. He's in the starting lineup. What we're going to get from him today? Ah, not much. And, to, and again, as I say, he did score, but prior to that, he hadn't really done much, and he lost. But he the still tried. He, he still. I, well, I, that's like, what people his, want to see. Yeah. yeah, his positivity, his boldness. He's, he's like a brave, you know. And he and he to be young and do yeah, that. Yeah. So I think you know it'd be, it'd be harsh on him. And the goal he scored was the kind of run into the penalty area. We haven't had. That we yeah. haven't had, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, that was like, you know... I'm not getting him, by the way. I was just no, saying, no, no, like, I, he I would understand. have been below his own yeah. standard up to, the, up to the point he scored. All in all, I feel like we've, um, we've been fair. It's cathartic. Frank cathartic, <laughs> yeah. But overall, you are, you know, would, I mean, A, you're, I feel like you're kind of agreeing that pretty much Artitude is doing, a, is doing a pretty good job, isn't he? He's doing a pretty great job so far, isn't he? I mean, you know... It's okay. It's okay. He's okay. doing uh, what we all deemed knowing our team as the obvious things. Yeah. The things that Emery could not transmit to the players yeah. for one reason or another. Yeah. And, yeah, let's be positive because that defence... Mm. He's, he's got a free hit this season. Apart from the important games that we want to win against the, those key rivals, he's got a free hit this season to sort that out. And the injuries will hamper him. But look, the it's next weird. season is a long way off. Yeah. He, has, he has in his head a way he wants to play. Let's see it, how it pans out and get yeah. behind it's him. It's weird we're trying to buy that left back, isn't it, from, um, from PSG. Yeah. I don't understand that. I mean, for me, like Saka... He's doing really well, you know. You know, I don't. Think, I, don't I put it this way: I don't think it's a problem area considering Kolasinac is recently been the goal at the weekend. Who um, Saka? Yeah, wasn't that also not single-handedly? Was he? I mean, I, I think um, on the other, Maitland Niles was the one back. who turned his back. Yeah, but um, you know, I, I, all right. Saka went, Saka went out to a ball that he shouldn't have gone out to. I agree, because sure. of the tactical but, change. Because of the tactical change, okay. But considering he's, done, considering he's, you know, he's, he's, a, he's, he's really an attacking player, isn't he? He's doing a pretty good job. At, you know, oh, he's hugging 100%, the line. 100%. Clearly, artistic, you got to hug the line. And, that and the one player. moment he didn't, yeah. 
But, you know, I still think, is it really worth buying this seemingly dodgy left-back from Yeshu who's been injured for about the last four years? Yeah, most of the time. and they don't rate him at all. No, and, it's and, weird, isn't and it? I, and I'm, I'm not like a, a great student of European football. I just don't have the time. I, no. I prefer to look at non-league sure. in this country. Yeah, fair enough. So I don't know enough about it him. Seems to, that seems to be but, a thing that we're interested in purely because he's a Kia yeah. and super agent the player. Only thing I'd say is surely there's been a bit more insight on injuries to say, you have to do this. If 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 he gets signed, yeah. it obviously just means that there's more insight on the injuries that, mm, okay. that, that yeah maybe that we don't know about. Maybe. And, they, and they've maybe. said, look, can you trust this young lad to become a left back this season? When we will, f- and and th- this was one of my other points I was going to make. I know we're running out of time. Yeah. Is that we haven't gone away to uh, a hardcore, intense attacking team yet under Arteta, and that sure. will be the proof. Of well, Chelsea whether tomorrow. Or not is Chelsea defa- tomorrow that? Are well, they a hardcore attacking um, team? The- I thought the way that they played us um, at the Emirates was, was, was strange because they didn't get at a team that did have a makeshift defence. Yeah. Albeit at the end, they, still they were rather fortunate in <laughs> yeah. winning. Yeah. Um, again, if Lampard's done his job and seen what... I mean, they're, they're, all this thing about Lampard being a genius is actually being a bit worn away by mm. a defeat at Newcastle, things yeah. like that. But... I wonder if they will change to get at what they perceive as our weaknesses, seeing as they're the home team. So, yeah, it could be the first real test for this defence with an incisive attacking team that have got all their players available. Um, and it could it could be a difficult game. And what do you think is going to happen? Um, I think we'll we'll I think we'll play well again. I think we'll restrict them to to, to chances, even though I said it's a first real test for the defence. <laughs> and I think it, it just might be the same scoreline um, two one to them. Yeah, um, I think we're going to lose, yeah. I think it's going to be disappointing. Maybe 1-0 to them. I hope I'm wrong. But, but it doesn't define us. <laughs> no, no, exactly. If yeah. we lose that yeah. game, it doesn't define 100%. us. And I think yeah. sweeping I mean, how, ju- judgments be, on one game are obviously my if we win, pet hate. Glorious. <laughs> yeah. glor- if we win, though, I know, judging them on, on one game is a pet <laughs> hate. But if we do win, that would be fucking immense, wouldn't it? That'll I'll be go a, mad. Yeah. I'll go mad. But okay. I won't judge the whole season off the back of No. Uh Balanced as ever. Thank you, Alan. It's been um, it's been a very entertaining, very enjoyable, enjoyable two hander. I hope you know it's been a dot and ethel <laughs> situation. It's been almost as good as the lighthouse of William Defoe and Robert Pattinson. Thank you very much. Cheers, Boyd. This is a playback media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.